from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vine Pair podcast conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between the regular podcast episodes in order to give a better picture of what's going on in the alcohol beverage industry right now. Uh, today, I'm really excited because we're going to do something a little bit different uh, with this episode. We're going to do an oral history of a very iconic brand that many of you are probably very well familiar with, uh, but we're going to get to what that brand is in just a second. Right now, I'm going to introduce my two guests, which are Jim Irvin and Scott Newitt, the founders of Firefly Distillery based in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, guys, thank you so much for being with me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us, Adam. Of course. So obviously, uh, some listeners may have now under like have an inkling of what the brand is. The brand is uh, Firefly Sweet Tea Vodka, which was just a massive phenomenon when you guys released it. I can't wait to, to talk about the story behind that. Uh, but before we get into the story, talk to me about how you founded the distillery in the first place. Well, um, this is Scott talking. I, uh, I spent 20 years in the wine business prior to this distributor or distillery life. Um, worked for Gallo for 11 years and then ran a wholesaler for nine. And Jim started uh, a winery as a retirement project, a muscadine winery here in Charleston. It's the only grape that'll grow here. And he needed a distributor. So we became friends. I became his distributor. Um, I had bought a still uh, years back. It was in the, in the distributor's warehouse and showed it to him. And he said, why don't we why don't we use my wine? And we, we made our first distilled spirit, which was uh, Firefly Muscadine Wine Flavored Vodka. Interesting. And when you first started it, like what, what was your plan? What was your business plan? Did you have a business plan? Was it like, we're going to do this sort of for fun? Was it to, were you creating a regional company? Do you think this would be national sort of what, when you were thinking about, you know, Firefly Distillery, what were you, what were your goals for the business? Uh, my goals were, were, Jim was already retiring from a construction career, but my goal was to work for myself and, and provide for my family. Um, but, you know, having been in the wine business that long, I I got to go spend weekends and weeks with, you know, like type people that owned wineries and all over the world. And I just loved their, their, their way of, of life. You know, they, their families are involved. Our families are involved in this business. And having worked in the corporate world for a long time, I really looked at it as an appealing life. And so why was the, what was the decision to make the first, first of all, why a vodka and why was it just muscadine flavor because Jim had the muscadine winery? Yes. Yes. We had the muscadine (laughs) wine. (laughs) We had the muscadine wine and I thought the best thing might be to make a martini with the muscadine wine. And then take the teeny part out, the wine, after it sat- satisfied the uh, vodka. And that's why we had to call it muscadine wine flavored, because we used muscadine wine to make the martini. And then we used charcoal to take the martini part out. So it was back to vodka again. Yeah. So we used it to soften the vodka. It's a really good vodka. And it doesn't really taste like wine. It just gives it a little, it's an interesting way to flavor a vodka. So what was the reception when you first released it? Well, it was, uh, I got to send to four states and it was, it was lukewarm. You know, nobody understood muscadine and it was a, yeah, it was the first of its type flavor. You know, back, back then the only flavors you really had were lemon and lime and your traditional, you know, those were the traditional flavors. There weren't a whole lot of flavors. And so 
then take me from there and to the sort of idea for sweet tea vodka and and also can you can you place us sort of in in what we you know what time was this so sure. where are what year is this and sort of how did you go yeah from muscadine to having this idea that you're going to make a sweet tea flavored vodka so jim and i both had full-time jobs and we were doing this on the side um <clears throat> so i was still in the wine business and every year um i i would go out to california for business reviews and whatever three or four times a year but uh every year i would always had one trip where I met with all my smaller wineries that were really good friends and family type people. And, and, um, I would stay at the Saintsbury, uh, Brown Ranch guest house. And, um, we would all just cook together and drink wine and talk about business. And a friend of mine who owns Charbet, a distillery in California came, his name's Marco. He's like a 13th generation cognac maker, his family. He, he showed up with a bottle of green tea vodka and I got on my flip phone in 2006 and called, <laughs> <laughs> called Jim. And after telling Marco, I think I'm going to copy your idea, I'm good, but I'm going to make a sweet tea. And he said, what's that? And, and, um, I called Jim and he, he was silent. He wasn't really sure it was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, Jim, look, your friends, with the guys that own the Charleston tea plantation, let's use their tea and let's make a sweet tea vodka. And, uh, after, uh, prodding him for about a month, he decided to do it. So what was the process? So obviously you, so Jim agreed. Yeah. But then what was the process? Do do you know why he agreed? Why did he agree? Because he wanted me to pay attention to his wine. (laughs) because <laughs> I was selling it in the stores. Yeah, so he, like, Look. he had me in every grocery store chain in South Carolina. So you were like, okay, fine. As long as you, as long as you deal with my wine, I'll, yeah. I'll let you make a sweet tea vodka. I'll humor you. <laughs> and so this is still, this is still the time too, right? Where South Carolina is all minis, right? Yeah. So that's when it switched from minis was 2006. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. So, um, so you basically go back to Charleston and you've convinced Jim. Yes. So what was the process? Like how did you start working with the sweet tea manufacturer? Um, and what did the distiller think when you were like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do this. So Jim went to Vanderbilt and he has a degree in biology and, and he is a winemaker self-taught and he makes pretty good wine. I mean, muscadine's a tough thing to tame, but he makes good wine out of it. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jim. I, I grew up in Louisiana. I like to say that Jim made a sweet tea roux. He boiled it down to a whatever, you know, however thick it was with sugar and found out where he could add vodka to it so that it would marry well. So basically you're like, you're, were you doing this or a gym? Were you like, were you in the kitchen doing this? Were you uh, like at the distillery? Talk to me like when you first created well, at like, the, the prototype. Winery. You're at the winery. Yeah, we had our uh, federal and state distilling license at that point in November of uh, 2007. And we started playing. The hardest thing was to try to figure out how to concentrate the tea. So when you mix it with vodka and sugar and all that, you didn't lose the tea flavor. And you couldn't do it by boiling it down because then it would caramelize. And uh, it was quite a trick to get it concentrated and uh 
once we figured that out, no, all our copycats, none of them used real tea. We're the only ones that use real real tea for a good while. Interesting. Well, Jim, we're not to the copycats yet, but we'll get there. <laughs> so you so you figured out the concentrate. You make it. Did, like, so what was the process? Was it all of a sudden like this is great. Let's, let's do it at scale. Or did you give it to a few people first? Like what was the initial reception? We had a tasting room for our winery. Uh-huh. And we were able to let people taste it. That came out to the winery. And they, it, it blew their minds. Really? Oh yeah. Like, so, so when people first saw it, they weren't like, what's this? They just, I mean, did they automatically just take it and be like, let's try it? Like, that's, I'm so curious. Cause you know, yes, they obviously did. now they went crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in fact, our distributor uh, was a family-run distributor. Now it's uh, RNDC, um, uh-huh. but the whole family—they all went to Old Miss. Their father was a professor at Old Miss. There's eight kids. He, Peter Fawcett, tasted it and flipped and said, "You know, I don't know if it's more, if you can get much more southern than Oxford, Mississippi, right?" Yeah, and, no, and, you can't. And, and <laughs> so he flipped and said, "We got to, we got to get this out there." So then what was the process, right? So you guys obviously figured out how to make a concentrate at, you know, at the winery, but, you know, bringing it to a point where it can scale to a large level, what did that look like? Um, and did you always know it was going to be named Firefly tea, Sweet Tea Vodka? Like, I'd love to understand sort of how you created the brand behind it too. Yeah. So um, the name Firefly, uh, I, I was a, a marketer for, for, uh, for Gallo and, and, and when we were coming up with the Muscadine around 2004 you had a slew of critter brands out there you know like yep. uh, yellowtail and all these dog brands on beers and and um so i i thought it would be clever to nobody in the spirits business was doing that there wasn't a critter brand there was all these old stodgy you know shield labels right and and um so i thought a critter label would be great to do so the name Firefly, I love fireflies, but I was looking through my wife, my wife's from Savannah, Georgia, and her family's been there 300 years. And they have a room full of coffee table books about the South. So I just went through those one Christmas and wrote down names I liked going through all those books. And the two most frequently used names in those books were Magnolias and Fireflies. And that's where the name Firefly came from. So then uh, you you basically create this this sweet tea vodka. Um, and you start, you know, manufacturing it. Um, what was the rollout plan? Like, obviously, so Scott, if you, if you're marketing background, um, was it, did you think this was going to purely be a Southern product? Um, you know, obviously now it's very national, right? Uh, but what was the sort of, what was your plan when you created it? Like who was the market? So my idea for the market was anybody that visits Charleston. Okay. And so that, that's from. North Carolina, I mean, uh, New York, follow the coast down all the way to Texas. You know, that, that's really where we get our visitors and Ohio. So that, that's where I thought we would end up. Um, but it turned out to be a lot bigger than that. So when it started taking off, like how, how quickly did that happen? So talk me through, you obviously you're putting it in the shelf and then all of a sudden it starts exploding and this is, is this now 2006 still? This is 2008. So we introduced okay. Firefly Sweet Tea Vodka to South Carolina on April 15th, 2008, tax day. Because Jim and I are great fans of paying taxes. <laughs> and, and, um, and it blew up. And it, it, we had, we had uh, a relationship with a, 
a large distillery in Florida at the okay. time because we had to make our first vodka in Florida because to, to get a license in South Carolina in 2006 was $50,000 every two years. Wow. So, That's you know, lobbyists didn't want, you know, that happening in South Carolina. So we had a relationship with a large place. So when it blew up, we originally went to them and said, hey, we need you to help us make this, which they did with our formula. Because, you know, we went from, from zero to, you know, 8,000 cases in August. And how did it blow up? I mean, was it word of mouth? Did it also go through on-premise? Like, was this all just in the stores? Like, have you ever been able to figure out what caused it to just explode so quickly? Well, I think the stars aligned, right, Jim? Yeah, stars aligned. McDonald's started advertising sweet tea at the same time. So did Bojangles. God was right there and led us everywhere. It was crazy. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was it was a, a brand new flavor with a large point of difference, right? Right. The the hottest flavors then were, like I said, lime and lemon, and then after sweet tea came out, that went bonkers on flavors. You know, anything from Fruit Loop flavored vodka. To, <laughs> you know, it went it went crazy. Wow. So okay, so you you start going national. Um, how soon after, obviously you're doing 8,000 cases in, by August, you released in April. How soon after did the, the fast followers come on? I would say uh, January of 2019. So we had, we had no competition for eight months. Okay, eight months. So January 2009. Yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. Cool, cool, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was like, 19, that's a long time for no, no, no competitors. No. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so people obviously started figuring out that this this thing was a phenomenon. You know, what changed for you for you guys as this as it grew? Um, you know, what did you sort of, how did that growth lead to other things? 2008 is when the um, market collapsed. Absolutely, yeah. Money market in the country. And... Uh, we had all these receivables, but no cash. We could borrow money. We couldn't figure out how to buy bottles, all that sort of stuff. We could, we could, we couldn't factor our invoices for twenty five percent. How about that? <laughs> That's amazing. So then, you know, as as this thing is growing, do, are you thinking like, let's just pump this like crazy? Are you thinking about, you know, re- releasing new flavors? Yes. So. As it's exploding and the copycats are coming out, the the natural response is, if you're thinking purely retail, how do I get a billboard on the shelf if I've just got Firefly Sweet Tea Vodka, right? And right. all these copycats are existing brands. So, we, you know, we, we came out with uh, mint tea, lemon tea, raspberry tea, and lemon tea, three sizes, so that we could create a billboard and, and, and fight the good fight, Right. Right. And who is who is your who is your drinker at this point? Like, do you have an idea? Like nationally, is it you know is it former Southerners? Is it you know? It is genetically required that Southerners drink sweet tea. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, I'm in I'm I'm from the South originally, um, but I'm in New York now, and I I mean I remember when it came out, I saw it all over New York. So yeah. obviously, it was more than the South. Like, could you explain why that was, or or was it that you know? I remember what you're talking about. I remember the big McDonald's billboards in New York City advertising sweet tea. And I thought to myself, huh, we'll see. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, um, but but it was it was interesting to, to to see that happening. So, you know, where was where was your market? Was it truly national? Was it mostly focused in the South at that time? Um, and who was drinking it? 
it was everybody because it was the distributors talk, right? So we got into eight states, you know, whenever a distributor that's not competing with another and, you know, they have like brands, they share the information. Yeah. They, they all just said, we got, I got to have a truckload. I got, you know, I got to have this, I have got to have that. And, and we knew we needed to get to all 50 states because if you're not first, you're not first, even if you are first. Right. And, and, and so to do that, we had a lot of people approach us. We had, you know, lots of people from New York that wanted to give us money. Right. And, and, um, we had a lot of venture capitalists. We, and, um, we ended up going into a joint venture, which is basically an agreement to share our trademark, nothing else with the Buffalo Trace bourbon distillery. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Sazerac. Does that still exist? It does. And, and, and they yeah. just, they own a small percentage of the trademark. Um, but they, you know, their sales force got us to all 50 states a lot faster than I could. They cleaned up our invoices. You know, it's a great partnership. Uh, they got sweat equity, but it, it, you know, we also make Firefly there. Interesting. Cool. So then question, I mean, this is only for the people on the podcast. Now we're going to, we're going to get really industry heavy with that deal. Are you required to read Mark Brown's morning emails? Uh, I do anyways. <laughs> I, I, I've been a, a, a avid reader for since 2008. <laughs> uh, very cool. So how were people consuming it? Uh, when, and how has that, how has that consumption evolved over now the brands, you know, 12 year, 13 year, wow. History, yeah. almost, 13 year, almost history. Like were people drinking it straight? Were they mixing it? And how are you encouraging people to consume it? Cause I think, you know, the way I think about it is, okay, so it's sweet tea flavored. So am I drinking it straight? Cause it tastes like sweet tea, but that's a lot of vodka. What, what were your recommended serves? Well, our, our recommended was uh, mix it with iced tea. That's not sweetened lemonade, obviously to make a Arnold Palmer or John Daly or, you know, with water. And our, our market was, you know, 21 year olds to 80 year olds that, cause they all drink sweet tea. Yeah, they do. And, 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 um, I'll tell you a funny story. It was kind of worrisome. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm on a college campus with my, the owner of the distributor. We walked to go have lunch and there are three sorority girls at the bar and they buy a bottle of firefly, a bottle and poured it into a pitcher full of ice. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and I said, uh, they can't, that's not the way to do it, but that, some people just drink it over the ice. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you guys are in the South. You know, you're both are both from uh, SEC football schools. Did it? I mean, was that a huge push for you too? Like, did you push it into tailgating and things like that? Was that a strategy? It was. In 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 yes. the beginning, I, we had a an intern program with with college of age students uh, for the first year, which was great. Wow. So, how has the brand evolved since it first came into existence, and uh, where has the business gone from from there? I guess. Yeah. So the Sweet tea evolved into other flavors of tea. We we also have a, a, a lemonade vodka that we've been making for a long time that we just sell in the in the distillery tasting room. It's super fresh. It's got a shelf life. It's what I like to say. It's the wine drinkers vodka because it's got lots of sour and, and acid. Right. I'm curious. Do you think that that's uh, to you know think about current trends? Right. If you're looking at this massive lemonade push we're seeing with all these hard seltzer brands. Do you think that that could sort of pop in the near future in the same way that sweet tea did? 
I, I do because it's the number one seller and it has been. It outsells our sweet tea vodka in the tasting room. Interesting. Yeah. It, it uh, It's just, you know, a good, really, really good, you know, profile, uh, flavor profile for lemonade. I like tart. Yeah. And then we also make a ruby red that's in the Firefly line. And we have a classic vodka that does pretty well here in South Carolina. And then we came out with Moonshines in 2013 because Jim has always made whiskey. Really? Yeah. We, <laughs> we actually had a sweet tea bourbon in 2009. Yeah. Bourbon got too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it has gotten very expensive. <laughs> so you started making Moonshine. Interesting. Yeah, so we make six flavors of moonshine. We still do. They're, we sell moonshine uh, all over the U.S., and we, we sell quite a bit in England. And then we sell sweet tea vodka all over the U.S. and in the Caribbean. And then you guys are also making rum, right? We do. We, we make a little rum called Sea Island Rum, and, and we got the name Wadmala Island, where we originated, is a sea island. It's a you know, there's about a hundred islands between the Outer Banks of North Carolina and Jacksonville called the Sea Islands. Oh, cool. So then with with all this growth, um, obviously you you were talking before we sort of started recording that you've moved you moved the distillery to Charleston, correct? Yes. We moved into the right in the middle of town. Um, and it's actually kind of on the North Charleston, Charleston border. We're we're about an eight minute ride to Market Street. Okay. Um, and so the, is that where the tasting room is? The tasting rooms that are, are at our new site. Um, okay. It's all here because the South Carolina laws say you, you can only taste and sell to the consumer where you produce it. Okay. And so how much are you, are you producing everything now there or are you still doing some production at, at uh, Buffalo Trace? Um, we do all the moonshine here and we supply South Carolina with our vodkas here. All the rums done here. All, our bourbons are all done here. We make whiskeys that are done here, and um, we, where we need help from Buffalo Trace is on Sweet Tea Vodka. Right. So with the growth, have you guys – I mean, I'm assuming you've had people approach you f- to sell. What is what is your vision for Firefly for the future? Have you thought about sort of being acquired? Have you – do you want to own it forever? Like, I mean, I think, Scott, as you talked about – earlier in our conversation with these, you know, these families that have owned these wineries for generations, like, is that what you guys would like to see for Firefly that you sort of pass it down to your kids and they keep running the business? What's, what's the long-term vision? Uh, Jim can tell you has my, that's my vision is I've got three kids that work for us off while they're not, you know, in college. And our, our master distiller is, is Jim's stepson. And yeah, sure. We could sell it. Then what would you do? I, I, you know, I'm 56 and I, I realized five years ago, you, you only live once and you might as well live it right. Right. Yeah, That's I'm what's important. To me. 74. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And I'm here six days a week. He is. He works the register. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, well, very cool guys. Well, thanks so much for, for taking the time to tell us about uh, a brand. I think everyone's familiar with, but may not have known the story behind. Um, I really appreciate it. And, uh, Yeah, the next time I'm in Charleston, I'll definitely come by and say hi. Thank you, Adam. All right. Thank you, Adam. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing 
loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.